Welcome back to the Eye on the Tigers podcast. This will be our, I guess, our last episode of 2022. I'm Dave Matter, Mizzou beat writer for St. Louis Post-Dispatch and SDLToday.com. Joined today by Callum McAndrew, our uh, campus correspondent for this year. Uh, Callum and I are both in Columbia. We were both at Missouri uh, basketball's big win Wednesday night over number 19, Kentucky. Uh, Missouri unranked. I don't think we'll be saying that much longer. We'll, the new ballots will be due on Monday morning. I had Missouri at 23 on my ballot last week. I'll probably have to move them up a little bit because uh, they look pretty good right now. Callum, you were sitting next to me. You watched all of that last night. Missouri, I think they trailed for 23 seconds. <laughs> Otherwise, they were firmly in charge of that game, very much like they were last Thursday in St. Louis against Illinois. What did you think of the, uh, let's see, 89-75 victory for Mizzou. Yeah, I wasn't in St. Louis for that, but I did watch on TV, and it, I mean, it almost seemed like a carbon copy of the way they came out in that yeah. uh, early against Kentucky. Really just, I mean, controlled the pace of the game from, from the off almost. Did a good job handling all of Kentucky's threats from deep. You know, a pretty free-scoring team. Um, I mean, if you're not... I don't, if you're not excited about this Missouri team right now, I don't think you ever will be. <laughs> Absolutely. They're, they're fun to watch. They seem like a likable group. Uh, you got a bunch of guys who for the most part are newcomers and they seem to appreciate this opportunity to be on this big stage because most of them came from mid-major schools. Uh, Nick Honors, one exception who came from the ACC, but um, he has fit in really nicely, I think. And, I, I thought last night, you know, Kobe Brown obviously is the headliner. He goes for 30 points again. First Missouri player to go back-to-back games with 30 points since Thomas Gardner back in 2005 and 2006. I, I came home late last night and looked up a whole bunch of box scores. Only nine players for Mizzou in the last 50 years have ever gone back-to-back with 30-point games. And nobody's done it three games in a row. So pressure's on Kobe now. They go to Arkansas next week. Maybe he can do it at Arkansas. They're a really good defensive team. So that's going to be hard. But um, so impressed by Kobe. He is a he's the same guy, but I think a little bit different player. He's being super aggressive when he gets the ball down low, especially when he's on a switch against a smaller guard. Uh, and the biggest difference is, the guy is shooting, I think, 44% from three-point range. I mean, that's incredible. He is uh, – the, the the shot looks good. He's taking it whenever he's open. Looks really confident. And he's getting wide open. Like, those are his wide open looks. And those are created by Missouri's offense. So, what what have you thought of, of Kobe Brown? You've watched him here the last couple of years. He's been a good player. Now he's he's a great player right now. Uh, like you say, I mean, just so, so impressive over the past couple of weeks. All, I mean, all season long, really. I remember Dennis Gates saying right before the season started that they weren't going to rely on him and be their top scorer every game. And that's obviously proved pretty true over the first, what's this, 13 games now. But sure. he's such a, so much more mature right now than it, than he was uh, even last season, I think. I mean, he was always a threat underneath the rim. He was always a threat in close, but just, I mean, all over the way he's improved his game from from deep. It's so impressive to watch, so much fun to watch. Um, I think, he, uh, you know, just that the improvement over the past past 10 months, I get is astounding. Yeah, absolutely. Against Arkansas again. Yeah, I thought last night, I thought what Missouri did, and, and I thought John Calipari summed up Missouri's identity pretty well in about two sentences after the game. Uh, they try to steal some baskets, 
going in transition and they will run transition after a made basket. I mean, Des Moines Hodge beat everybody back after a Kentucky, I think it was a three pointer and scored on a layup. They will do that often. So they don't even have to mess with the half court offense. Um, and then they will, they will pressure you full court and not necessarily trying to get the steal, but leaving you with only, you know, 15, 20 seconds left in your possession. And it really wears you down and it, it, it speeds you up on the, on the offensive end because now you've got less time. And then at the end of the games, and they've been really good about this, it seems, uh, they are not in a hurry anymore. And they've got Nick Honor, who doesn't turn the ball over. He handles it really well. Six assists, no turnovers last night in 35 minutes. Uh, that's a pretty good recipe. I mean, score fast early, get out to a lead. Um, get steals when you can and transition pressure the other team mix up your defenses which they continue yeah. to do and then just you know it's like you bring in a, a great closer and you just shut things down late in the game and they were able to do that against Illinois and even more so against Kentucky so I've really been impressed with Gates's coaching uh, he's figured out the identity of this team in a, in a short amount of time uh, I thought Sean East last night and I wrote about this I thought he was he was impressive because he came in when Missouri needed a bucket. They had gone like eight straight possessions without scoring. He scores seven points in a minute. And that's what this team kind of needs. They need a different guy to step up each night and be okay with their role. And then he only played like five, six minutes in the second half and was the number two player of the game, I thought, right behind. Maybe you can make a case for Des Moines Hodge, but I just thought what East did in a short amount of time was really valuable when they when they absolutely needed it. Yeah, so impressive the variety this team has as well. You know, you were talking about Nick Honor there. I think I saw your stat this morning. He was pl his plus minus was twenty four. I mean, yeah. just a really impressive performance from him again. Um, that's becoming a pretty box standard comment at this point. But um, yeah, Sean East, who I mean, hasn't let the world on fire by any means over over the past couple of months but just right. went where he needed him I mean he so so good and Kentucky went big couldn't handle him as it was just a, a really all-round impressive performance from everyone um that was yeah. a I couldn't believe this that I had to look it up last night that's the most points Kentucky's ever allowed in an SEC game is with really? Al Perry as their head coach and he's uh, been there he's been there 14 years now only six other teams in those 14 years have hit 89 against Kentucky. And you're talking like a really good Duke team one year, a good Indiana team, a good UCLA team, a good North Carolina team. So that's – Kentucky is annually one of the best defensive teams in America, and Missouri just put up 89 points in it. They probably could have had more. They kind of took their foot off the gas late, um, even had the walk-ons in at the end. So uh, – and, and Kobe had 30 there with like five minutes to go and was trying to go for about 40. And he, he couldn't he couldn't hit late, but that was that was really impressive basketball. And I, I think it's time now we need to we need to talk about the potential for this team. And I think it's it's fair to raise expectations at this point. I mean, I see like I see six really good teams on this schedule. Obviously, Kansas. Yep. I still think Illinois is going to be pretty good, or at least has the potential. Kentucky, and then the in the SEC, Tennessee, Alabama, and Arkansas. Maybe throw Auburn in there. Missouri's halfway through those teams. <laughs> Sitting there at 12 and one, um, 32 in the net rankings as we're recording this, 35 in Ken Palm, itching closer to the AP top 25. Um, how much better can this team get, do you think? 
I mean, like you say, I think it's fair to raise expectations right now. I mean, going through these these four games that they've gone through three and one is mightily impressive. That's yeah. um, they, that, you know, I like I think you said this as well. I think if they got a couple of wins out of this sort of five game stretch, Arkansas included, I think most people would have been happy. I, you know, there's it. I think at this point, you know, hanging nine, an average of 91 on Illinois and Kentucky, I mean, that's astounding. That's, um, yeah, where where do you take this team from this point? I think it's fair to say that they're probably going to be a top 20 ranked team by the end of this weekend when the new rankings yeah. come out. I, I, I think the voters will have seen enough to to throw them in that, that sort of range. Right, right. They're going to play away games in the SEC, and those are hard, right. no doubt. They go to AM, they go to Florida, back-to-back games. Um, you know, the bottom of the league right now doesn't look very good. South Carolina's really struggling. A&M's been a, been a disappointment. Uh, LSU Florida still working through new coaches. Georgia, the same thing. But those, you know, Missouri has to go on the road to play all three of those teams. Uh, you got two with Mississippi. You got two with Mississippi State. You play at Tennessee and you play at Auburn and obviously you play at Arkansas next week. So they're, I mean, they're not going to go unbeaten. No, (laughs) that's unrealistic. Uh, But they've already picked off some good wins. And I I think they've got the ability to pick off some more. They get Alabama at home, which is really fortunate. Um, You obviously get the one game against Arkansas at home. Uh, And there's just a lot of opportunities here. They also, other than a home game in South Carolina, they can't really have a bad loss from here on out because the league is is good enough to where I, I guess maybe a home loss to Vanderbilt. They play them on January 7th. Other than that, you're going to have a quality loss no matter who you lose to, and you've got a lot of opportunities for good wins. So I'm not saying it, it would be at this point a, a huge disappointment if they don't make the NCAA tournament, but it's really fair to expect it at this point. And expect them to get a decent seed. I mean, you're here 12 and one with some really quality wins piling up. And the, the more you get, the more you start of a race, that stigma that you didn't play anybody in the, in the non-conference, at least through those first four weeks or so. So I, I think it's really fair to expect more out of this team now. And, and I'm sure they do too. I mean, I'm, I'm sure they want those expectations because they've earned it at this point. Uh, I think also, maybe not expect, but I think we've seen over the past few games that there probably isn't a team that they can't beat at this point. I think, you know, when you're yeah. looking at Noah Carter, who can go really, really hot, Demoy Hodge, who's a, just an excellent shooter, and a, a really talented player, Kobe putting back-to-back up, back-to-back 30-point games. They, they've they got weapons all over that, that can knock off a, a Tennessee or, a, you know, I'm not saying they will, but I, I think it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility at this point. So, I mean, when you're talking about even SEC tournament expectations, it's a team that probably could make a run if it keeps this this level of performance going through through the next couple of months. For sure. I'm glad you mentioned Demoy Hodge because I, I didn't really work him into my game story a whole lot, but even after Kobe's gone... 31 and 30 back to back Hodge still leads this team in scoring you know he's almost <laughs> at 17 a game which is incredible to think about the guy is absolutely fearless he will shoot it from anywhere uh he will he will try to dunk on three dudes in, in <laughs> um he has just no there it's it's heat check for 40 minutes for him pretty much and he's been he's been really fun to watch along with you know Trey Gomillion the, the other yeah. Cleveland State transfer and like you said, Noah Carter can give you really good minutes. There's nights that he can kind of take over with his shooting and 
there were there were times against Kentucky where he came in for Kobe and was just doing running the same plays and was able to be effective too. Um, the the great X factor here, and it, it it's almost become more of a footnote the longer the season goes on, is the Isaiah Mosley situation, and. <laughs> I'm at the point now where I'm not even sure it's worth discussing a whole lot because they're winning these games, they're winning these games handily, and he's not even getting on the court. So it's almost like if he ever does get back into the rotation, it's almost like a bonus at this point. Now, if they were really struggling to score and had no perimeter offense and he's sitting there on the bench, you start wondering, like, what what is going on here? And it's still fair to wonder, um, but at this point, I, it's fair to say they don't need him. Um, be nice to have almost a luxury at this point, but it doesn't appear that he's uh, in the plans right now to be a part of this rotation. What's your thoughts? Uh, obviously, it would be nice to have around. You know, you're yeah. talking about one of the one of the hottest shooters in the country last season. Um, but you know, just during the game last night, I got the "Where's Isaiah Mosley" tweet and the replies at some point, and it, it kind of took me aback. It was, you know, it's like, why at this point? I mean, right. you know, what do you, what more do you want out of this team? You, you've you've already got three three guys out there that are more than capable of doing what what Mosley was billed as doing. Sure, right. heading into the back end of, of the the conference schedule, it'd be nice to have someone with that ability, but. If he's not part of the plans, he's not part of the plans at the moment. And I think that's, I think that's fine. I think that's, yeah. you chalk that up to, to what it is. Yeah. What, so Wednesday night, I got there, what, about 45 minutes before tip off and they're out there going through warmups and he's not with them. Uh, we we kind of hunted for answers and didn't really get any. And then, then he shows up for the last pregame coming out of the locker room, but never left the bench again. Um, you know, it's established at this point that he has he's missed some practices because of some personal issues. And if you can't practice, you can't play. That's pretty standard for most teams. But uh, there's part of me also that wonders just watching him play earlier in the year. The pace and the intense intensity this team is playing with. I don't know if he's a mm. great match. I mean, the ball kind of sticks in his hands a lot. Um, you can question his defense at times. And this team just plays at such a high intensity level that I didn't always see that from him. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if he really necessarily will fit uh, what, what Gates is looking for, um, you know, as far as the chemistry of this team and the way that it's playing right now, that doesn't mean you can't throw him out there and, and, and there's still a lot of games left. I mean, there's a lot of season left. Um, and I'm not saying it's a failed experiment at this point, but, they have proven they don't need him. Uh, you, if you can beat Illinois and Kentucky by, uh, you know, double-digit margins, you, you're you fine with what you have. There's no doubt. Now, an injury could happen, something else, to where all of a sudden they don't have that depth. But, um, yeah, they've, they've been just fine without him. So, I don't – I think it's almost a footnote at this point, you know, whatever his status is. Yeah, at the very least, it's a good problem to have. I mean, you know, but – right regardless of what might be happening. I mean, you know, if, if you can live without them and if you can knock off Kentucky and Illinois and UCF and, and go to Wichita State and, and win a, a gritty game in overtime without them, sure, go for I mean, right. at this point. Absolutely. So Missouri gets sort of a bye this weekend. They don't play over the weekend. They play again next Wednesday at Arkansas. Arkansas is number 11 
uh, at Ken Palm right now. Now they're, they're not the same team they were at the beginning of the year, or, or I should say probably the second or third week because they lost Trevin Brazil, the Missouri transfer out for the year with a knee injury it really changes who they are. And Nick Smith, their outstanding freshman guard, uh, lottery pick in the NBA next year. I, I guess he's out for a while too with uh, uh, a, a knee injury, not a season ender, but just uh, something that's taken him out for a while. So I, the last thing I read, I don't think he's expected to play next week. Um, so Missouri kind of gets a um, gets a nice gift there from the injury gods. It's still a really hard game. It's going to be packed uh, Bud Walton Arena. Arkansas is a legit top 10 team. Eric Musselman's a really good coach. They play great defense, really tough place to win. Uh, so there's no shame in losing that game. But I, I think Missouri is going to be competitive. Uh, there's no reason to think they won't, like at this point. I, I think they got over that Kansas game. And, and Kansas is really, really good. I've had them three on my AP ballot the last couple of weeks. Um, but the way that they've played against Illinois and Kentucky, both in charged atmospheres, I, I think it's fair to say Missouri will be competitive, should be competitive against everybody left on their schedule. Right. Uh, and I think I think they learned a lot from that Kansas game. I think that those that, that was a harsh lesson to take yeah. and probably not the one Missouri fans wanted to, or when they wanted it to happen. But I, I think you know, a, a pretty a pretty convincing rebound since then. Yeah, and I, I make this point all the time, and I think people kind of forget because they see it as a new team. It's mm. a new team, but it's also an old team. Yes. Like, these dudes are old. Like, <laughs> like uh, Des Moines Hodge is 24. Sean East <laughs> is 23. Um, I think Golston and Gomillion are 22. Kobe's 22. They got another 23-year-old on the team. I can't remember who it is off the top of my head. Maybe Noah Carter. He's, he's, he's a little bit up there. Um, so these guys have played a lot of college basketball uh, and just maybe not on this stage or at this level with this kind of crowds, but they've played the game a lot. Once you start playing and you get, and they've, they're over the Kansas thing, they're over that, that, um, that electric atmosphere that might rattle them. That, that seems to be in their past. Now they've got it figured out. Uh, we'll see what it's like when a true road game with 18,000 people, like they'll see at Tennessee and huge crowd at, at Arkansas, but uh, I think they're kind of past that. So I, I, we'll see. I think the, the the ceiling is still really high for this team. Yeah, I think this is a, a really fun matchup as well, coming up against Arkansas, even with the injuries. Uh, it would have been maybe even a little bit more fun if Trevon Brazil was playing, just add that element in there. But right. but uh, no, I think I think this is a, a different kind of test for them, um, but a, 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 an interesting one to see how they handle it. For sure. I think Nick Honor is the other 23-year-old. I, I, I gave it to somebody. Yeah, that makes sense. Just a bunch of old dudes. Um, all right, let's switch gears. Uh, different different uh, topic, much different outcome. The memorable 2022 Gasparilla Bowl is in the history books. Wake Forest beats Missouri 27-17. Neither of us were there. I was supposed to be there. Uh, Southwest Airlines did not cooperate with my travel to, uh, travel to Tampa. I, I'm disappointed. I hate missing games. It's only the... Uh, by my count, this will be my this is my 10th year at the Post-Dispatch. It was only the second game I've missed, football game. And, and the first one was on purpose because I was covering a basketball tournament in Orlando. Ben Fredrickson covered the, the Arkansas football game that year. So as far as my time on the beat at the Post-Dispatch, it's the first game we did not have somebody at. So we, we made it all through COVID, but we can't survive the uh, – the great snowstorm and the great Southwest Airlines debacle. But personally, I'm okay with it because I might still be stuck in Tampa yep. 
had I uh, <laughs> had I made it there. I know Desiree Reed Francois and her her husband Josh and son Jackson they planned to fly back. Uh, actually, they were going to fly and visit some family in California after the game, and those flights got canceled, so they made the drive back uh, from Tampa to Columbia. I am glad I did not have to make that trip because I would have been solo. They, they at least had their family together. So. Um, planes, trains, and automobiles. That was the story of that, of, of the, the post game at least, but the game itself, man, that thing looked pretty familiar. Uh, defense pretty, pretty good defense. I think good enough to win offense, bad enough to lose. Um, same story, just different location, different uniforms. Same <laughs> thing for the most part. What, what, what were some of your takeaways from the, from the loss to Wake Forest? Like you said, I mean, we we saw that we saw that play before. Um, you know, the, the the carbon copy of so many games earlier in the season. Just, I mean, yeah, there was the opt outs, and there was, I mean, it's 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 a slightly different look. Um, but just, I mean, just so underwhelming again on offense. I mean, really, a, you know, a, a season that I know Barrett Bannister said it after the game that it could have been a nine ten win season, but I really don't think there's much unfair about that final record uh, and the way that that season ended. Wake was just, was a better team. I mean, they're, they're so organized on offense. Missouri really didn't have any answers for, for AJ Perry and, and Sam Hartman right. together. Um, couldn't get the run game going until late in the, th- the second quarter and then never got it going again. Um, just a lot of the same problems, offensive line is, you know, missed passes. Just, I mean, the, the same story over and over again. Yeah. I, I think some of the opt-outs and some, some of the transfers that, that would have helped having Dominic Lovett out there would have helped Absolutely. No out. Uh, they tried to make Luther burden the, the featured receiver. He had, I think he had a season high seven catches. He didn't do a whole lot after the catch, except for one early. Uh, they went to him a lot. It, it didn't really work out. Um, Bear Bannister was, was solid. Peanut Houston was, yeah. was good. Um, yeah. I, I think there's a bright spot there. Uh, defensively, I thought Johnny Walker did some good things early. Dalen Carnell um, really good player. Up, played really well. I don't think they really missed Martez Manuel a whole lot. Um, would have been nice to have Isaiah McGuire out there, I'm sure, just for some of those third down situations where you, you need to get some pressure up front. But I thought, you know, what Darius Robinson and Jaden Jernigan playing a little defensive end, I thought I thought they held their own. And again, the defense, they they made enough plays. Chad Bailey, best game of his career. I mean, yeah. I he was he was outstanding. Um he had like nine tackles. He tried to tackle Ennis Rakestraw one time and he was trying to help, <laughs> help Sam Hartman up off the field. Um, let's get into that really briefly. I was I was on team Bailey on that one because I say two-minute drill, yeah, end of the half, you knock down the quarterback. He's got 10 teammates to help pick him up. He doesn't need Missouri's cornerback going over to help him up. Um, it's kind of a pride thing at that point. Now, Chad Boss is cool a little bit. They made up on Twitter right after the game. It was no big deal. It's one of those things that we focus on too much more than players in the heat of the moment. It's not that big of a deal. But, um, yeah, I, I whatever. Like, no, I, I can't fault Chad Bailey for that game because he was the one player – on that field for Missouri that you could tell really want that game meant something to him uh, by the way he played. I, I think he's a, I think he had a really underrated season, a lot of focus on Tyrone Hopper, but I, I think getting Chad Bailey back next year is really big for this defense. 
Yeah, and and you saw it in 2021 as well when when Blaze Aldridge was taking the majority of the snaps there, and Bailey came in yeah. toward the end of the season. I mean, that he's just a really, really a, a, a very underrated, under talked about part of this team. He's a he's had such a good season. They missed him when he when he sat out with injury. Was it Florida? I believe that. I think uh, so. Yeah. Yeah. Such a a a big cog, and what's turned into be a great defensive front. Yeah. So here's this program now, back to back six and seven seasons. Uh, haven't had a winning season since they went to the uh, Liberty Bowl and lost to Oklahoma State. Since then, it's been basically just 500 seasons, uh, regular seasons, and then you you, know, you lose a bowl game. Not much momentum. Not much traction. Um, you know, the big winner this year was Eli Drinkwitz getting that contract extension and raise. Other than that, it's just been a lot of one step forward, one step back. So I, I think it's it's fair to look ahead. Uh, I think on the defensive side, they're in really good shape. I mean, you've got your entire secondary coming back pretty much. Both corners coming back. Uh, Jalen Carlisle is coming back. I think most people expect Joseph Charleston to come back. Dalen Carnell's back. Chad Bailey, we mentioned. Um, one or two questions still on defense. Darius Robinson hasn't announced his plans yet. Tyrone Hopper has not announced his plans yet. But I thought it was it was a good sign that Hopper played in the bowl game. So I, I have no concerns about that side of the ball. On the other side of the ball, <laughs> <laughs> where do you even begin? We don't know Eli Drinkwitz's plans for that last staff position. Who's going to coach the quarterbacks? Who's going to call the plays? Um, I, it's, it's hard to even have any kind of projections for next year until we know more answers on offense. I mean, is, do you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, the, the, all the questions that existed this year still exist. And then some, because you've lost more parts as well. I mean, right. it's, it's, it, we don't here. I mean, here we go again, but we don't know who the quarterback's going to be next year. I think that's fair to, to assume that that's going to be be up for debate in the the spring and summer at some point. Yeah, uh, we, you know, they're returning Cody Schrader, and I would assume Nathaniel Pete unless he's out of eligibility. But they didn't really get that running game going this year to the to the levels that you saw under Larry Roundtree and Tyler Beatty. Right. Uh, the the whole line is there has to be some changes there at some point. I think you saw when even when the two starters went off injured, uh, you know, the, there's there isn't a lot of depth there. Um, receiver, you're losing your best receiver, your most experienced receiver, and your second most experienced receiver. Um, you know, yeah, they've got some recruits coming in, but we've seen there's a little bit of a reluctance to start some of the younger players at some point. Right. Um, so it's, I mean, there's so many questions on that side of the ball. Tight end, we didn't even get there yet. I mean, <laughs> what well, maybe four catches all season, you know. I don't think there's a position on that on that side of the ball that doesn't need a little bit of bolstering. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think, you know, to Drinkwitz's credit, he acknowledged that right after the game and said he's got to get that figured out. Um, I, I think number one on the priority list, if we're going to rank these things, I think it's got to be coordinator play caller situation. Is he is he going to do this again or is he going to go out and find somebody else? Uh, if he does find somebody else, is he going to let them run their offense or are they just going to call his offense? I, I, I think everything's on the table at this point. Um, he didn't, during the season, I remember asking him, he didn't sound like he particularly enjoyed calling plays. Oh, no. 
Like, I, I think coaches, when, when they give that up, I think they feel almost a sense of relief because they can focus on other things. And I kind of got that feeling from him. I mean, nobody enjoys it when it's not working and it's clearly not working. Uh, number two, you got to figure out the quarterback situation. Um, and I think Brady Cook will be back. Yes. Uh, Sam Horn, no reason to think he won't be back. Do you stage an, uh, a competition between those two? Do you go out and chase a, a transfer portal quarterback? They really haven't yet. If they have, they've done it pretty quietly and they've not done it successfully because the, <laughs> some of the better ones are off the board already. Um, three, the offensive line, like you mentioned. I mean, you that line wasn't good this year. You lose two starters in the bowl game and all of a sudden they could barely function. Um, you need to develop depth there. You got to figure out who your best five are. We still don't really know if Javon Foster is coming back. I think he Sorry, might. Yeah. I think he might, but nothing, nothing formal on that. Then I think you got to figure out some more playmakers. Uh, you've got, you've got Luther Burden. I think the expectation is he'll make a big jump from freshman to sophomore year. Uh, looks like Peanut Houston can play. Um, Makai Miller can be a factor. You got Theo Weiss coming in the transfer from Oklahoma. And I think he's a plug and play guy that, that, that should start right away. Um, but what else you need some running backs. You need somebody to emerge. Cody Schrader, great story, reliable, solid running back. What's the ceiling for him though? Is he, is he a thousand yard sec running back? I, I don't know. He got the chances this year. I think you got to see what else you have and Tavares Jones and, um, you know, maybe some of the freshmen that you bring in. So there's a there's a long list, long list of issues to address on that side of the ball. And that is Eli Drinkwitz's specialty offense. And he's got it, he's got to get it figured out, or 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 I don't think this is gonna work. <laughs> like it's just it's just not. Like I do I don't think you can keep going six and six in the SEC and expect to just get another year to figure it out all over again. Yeah, you know, I don't think fans are going to put up with another 500 regular season. I think I think the expectations for the program have to be higher than that at this point. I mean, you know, the, not his, you know, the team he inherently inherited isn't the one they, uh, you know, a lot of building, building blocks in place. But like one more year of six and six and then the fans are going to lose their minds. I think, you know, I think there's, there's a craving for good football in Colombia. Right. And they just, you know, they haven't, you know, and especially looking at the basketball team right now, what can happen right. in such a short short time span, and how excited the fan base can get in such a short time span? Right. I mean, they need something to, to light a fire in in, in 2023. And I, I especially think the fact that attendance did go up for football this year. I think right. it was their best season in terms of attendance since 2015. Okay. So it's it's the best post Pinkle year for attendance. So the fans are bought in. Yep. The fear would be what happens if you go six and six again or even seven and five, um, you know, do you, does, does that support fall off? Um, is, I, I, my theory is that support has a little bit more to do with some of the innovations they've done at the, with the game day experience to get fans back answer, answering some of the concerns they had that Desiree Reed Francois and her staff went out and addressed some things to make that game day experience better. Now it's on Eli to make the on field experience better uh, for that team. And it's, it's not an easy schedule next year. I mean, they play, Defending uh, Big 12 champion Kansas State, at least it's in Columbia. You've got LSU coming to Columbia. Um, obviously, you go to Georgia like you always do. There's that game against Memphis in St. Louis, which, you know, it's not easy. Memphis just looked pretty good in their bowl game. Um, so, yeah, I, I think finding right now 
late December, finding seven wins on that schedule based on what we know about this team is that's not easy to do uh, until they firm things up on offense. So that Eli has to do to his offense what they did on the defense last year. Yes. Bring in some new blood. Uh, you maybe bring in somebody that's going to run the show uh, as, as far as a coordinator and get that thing moving in a better direction because you just – you can't win – no matter how good your defense is, you can't win if you're scoring 17 points against Wake Forest. That was a bad ACC defense. And outside of two scoring drives, two touchdown drives, they uh, <laughs> it was pretty awful. I mean, the last play of the game for Missouri said it all, fourth and 33. And they throw to Luther Burden, and it goes for minus four yards. And <laughs> yeah. He might have gotten away with the thrown punch there at the end. So it was an ugly ending for that offense. Yeah, I- yeah, that that kind of sums it up, doesn't it? That's, I mean, that's kind of the way it went this year. Um, they, yeah, they need to find some explosion somewhere. Um, Bush Hamden leaving obviously doesn't doesn't help. I think they looked a yeah. little bit the last few games when he took on a little bit more responsibility upstairs. Um, yeah, there are a lot of questions to to answer, and uh, you know, I think they're going to have to attack the portal sometime soon. They've already got Wee's out of there, and they got they got the uh, the the D end from from Northwestern, but yeah, like you say, that was, that was where Blake Baker's defense had the most success was going in and getting your Christian Williams and your Jaden Jernigans and, and, and players of that caliber out of the portal power five experience out of the like, ready made oven ready players to go right into that. Line. And they, they need to do that a few more positions on the other side of the ball. Now I think offensive line, probably the big one at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. Offensive line. And, and you've got to know what you, you have at quarterback. Um, Sam Horn's going to get a lot of opportunities in the spring. Uh, I know fans are concerned he's playing baseball, but if he wants to be a football player at Missouri, he cannot miss any spring practices for football. He has to be a football player first. He can moonlight with baseball if that's what he wants to do. But, you know, I, I don't anticipate him missing football practices in the spring. He's He's got to be out there uh, to make an impression on the staff and to get some reps with uh, the other starters, whoever those starters may be and really get himself just embedded in this offense to where he's got a chance to compete for the job and a chance to be an SEC quarterback next year. And that says nothing about Brady Cook, but I, I, th- I think Horn has to at least get that opportunity this offseason because he's never been in a college offseason before. Remember, he didn't show up at Missouri until June last year. I mean, he had the summer, but not, not the January to June portion of the schedule, which is really, really important too. I think, uh, you know, the competition is never a bad thing either. That's, I mean, there's right. competition at that spot through the spring. Would, uh, you know, there are questions there. I think the biggest thing, though, is by by the time, whenever it is, February 28th or whatever, whenever spring camp starts, um, they have to have that the, the coaching decision sorted out. You can't yeah. go in with any lingering questions there. That has, to be, that has to be wrapped up first and foremost, I would say. Absolutely. Okay, I'm going to throw you a curveball here because in in SDL today, next week, I'm going to start doing my season recaps where I'll I'll look at MVP and and, uh, player of the year, top newcomer, all those things. But we got to do like an all media team. Um, (laughs) We can do like a snake draft. Uh, It's we don't get to talk to these guys one on one like we used to, but there are certain guys you can lean on that are good talkers that that have their finger on the pulse of the locker room. Um, so let's, let's go with three each 
for our 2022 Mizzou football all-media team. Let's go players only because we don't talk to coaches really during the season except for Eli and Blake Baker. Um, Who's your number one draft choice? If you could pick anybody to quote about Mizzou football this season. I think, I mean, you have to, you have to go here. Uh, I'm I'm sorry, Missouri fans, because he's not here anymore. It's Dominic Lovett. (laughs) I mean, I, 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 I like a funny guy um and he always he always showed up he had a catchphrase and everything um very insightful as well about what was he going was. on he really was and we talked to Mackay Miller and Dominic that and uh Luther Burden um yeah great interview I really enjoyed talking to Dominic Love this he, year he knew the game knows the game well I shouldn't speak of him in the past tense he's still alive um, <laughs> insightful thoughtful very funny always came with energy and never mailed in an interview at all. Um, I'll be curious to see if Kirby Smart lets him talk to Media Georgia as much as yeah. much as he talked to us. Uh, I I, I kind of doubt that happens. All right, so you took Dominic Lovett. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna stay at receiver. I got to go with the veteran, Doctor Bannister, uh, third okay. Bannister. He was yeah. uh, really developed into kind of the adult in the room when you we would interview these guys. He he had perspective unmatched perspective because he's been at Missouri forever um you know like he was around for Drew Locke and Derek Dooley I mean the guy the guy was was here forever but also very wise and mature uh had a really good handle for the team the program what was going on internally and I think and this is probably no big deal to the fans and listeners and readers he also had an appreciation for what we were trying to do too which is always nice um so always available super cooperative always interesting and like like dominic love it never mailed it in he always he always wanted to give an honest assessment of what's going on and for that i wish he had a seventh year of eligibility but um (laughs) best best of luck to barrett going forward okay you're up number three uh, I'm going to go the other side of the ball, but I'm going to stick with the experience, the experience side of things. I really enjoyed talking to Darius Robinson this year. I thought he was, a, 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 you know, I always thought he had a, a a really good grasp of what was going on in the defense, the struggles they'd faced last year, the way they'd improved to this year, um, and just a, a really insightful guy at times as well. Just really, you know, he. he understood what I think it was to be a Missouri football player and to, to, you know, what it was like in that locker room at times that, yeah, I enjoyed talking to Darius this year. Yeah, absolutely. I'd agree with you. I think, I think Darius was uh, developed into a really insightful guy that, uh, that had again, good, good perspective on big picture, but also kind of the the little things going on uh, within the program too. Okay. Um, Man, you took my pick. Uh, Ah. I'm going to go with the quarterback. Brady Cook did not always seem to enjoy every interview because he understood how much criticism he was absorbing. Um, but he always showed up. He was uh, he he did that part of the job very well. It might not have been his favorite ten minutes of the day, <laughs> but that's part of the job as an SEC quarterback. And he he did do that one out pretty well. I, I think he always seemed to have a little chip on his shoulder. And maybe wanted to say a little bit more than he did sometimes, uh, but I, I thought he handled a tough. Uh, that's a tough job, and I, I thought he handled it with uh, poise and maturity, and and every so often a little insight too. Yeah, I mean, even after really difficult losses, absolutely. Um, you know, you know, all I'm sure of what he saw on social media. Um, you know, he never failed to show up, and that's right. a 
I mean, that's that's a credit to the guy. That's that's. I mean, you know, not everyone would do that or have the resolve to do that. That's um, and I, I found it really interesting the way he, you know, you saw the progression from when he was named the starter in August. You know, the the bright and smiling, you know, new SEC quarterback to the end of the season, a little bit more haggard, a little bit more tired, but still pretty cognizant of what he'd gone through and and you know how how difficult that path was. I you know I. I, I know he, I'm sure he didn't like talking <laughs> at times, but he, he always did. And he, he was always pretty interesting. Yeah. Haggard is a good word to describe. Rebel <laughs> <laughs> Brady. Um, but yeah, great choice. Okay. One more for you. Who you got? Oh, um, this is a tough one. Um, with the, with the, you know, we're, we're getting into the depths here. Um, <laughs> all right. Let's, you know, who. <laughs> I think I'm going to go with Jaden Jarnigan. Yeah, he was he's solid. Yeah, I was I always thought he, he he had a good line in there every now and then. He always he always had something pretty funny to say. He always you know had a a little crack in there. So that's yeah, I'm going to go with Jaden Jaden Jarnigan, the new guy. Jaden Jarnigan. I'll stick with with defense, and he, you know he was he was gone for the end of the year because he opted out. But Martez Manuel always uh, yeah, when he when he, when he talked he um, he gave us his time and a, another thoughtful guy that had good perspective you know he knows his program pretty well growing up in columbia at least when he was in high school and and had a good grasp of things and um was was pretty good talking about the defense and uh so yeah i'll, I'll give a a vote to martez so that is our 2022 mizzou football all media team i think we went half offense half defense so that's that's pretty good for us i absolutely fumbled my third pick there i didn't think of that one that was uh that's, that's... I was tempted to go with Harrison Mevis, but we didn't talk to him a whole lot the right. second half of the season. Um, but I think we'll we'll get an opportunity next year. All right, Callum, that's good for for 2022. Uh, we'll be back next week. Uh, we'll, we'll 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 wait and do a pod after Missouri plays at Arkansas. Should be a big game. Should be a big national game. You're gonna have two ranked teams, I would think. And uh, you know, it's 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 good to. I still don't know if that's really a rivalry, but it's as close as Missouri has in uh, in the SEC, at least for basketball. And it's going to be a great atmosphere at Bud Walton Arena. I'm looking forward to it. Hope the weather holds up and uh, I'm able to, to make the drive down there. So that'll do it for this week's podcast. We will remind our listeners, please check us out at stltoday.com slash podcast, where you can find the Eye on the Tigers podcast. Also, please subscribe on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. If so, Please give us a rating and a comment. Those ratings make it easier for more fans and more listeners to find the Eye on the Tigers podcast. I want to thank Callum for joining us this week. We'll be back next week. Until then, Happy New Year. Thanks a lot for listening.